Hello. Hi. See, I can't sing. I can't sing. I'm terrible. That was, I'm going to, that's going to be edited out for sure. I have a question for you and uh, we're sitting across from each other. So I want you to do it. Can you do one of those casual winks? Like, you know how like, yeah, see, fuck, I can't do that. I'm like. Pretty fly. Yeah. See, when I wink, it's like I'm my whole cheek, my mouth. I'll st- I feel like you're aiming at me. Yeah. It's like I'm really working for it. down the barrel of a gun. Exactly. My mouth goes all crooked. It looks like I had a stroke or something. Just looking for the scope. It only happened once that I thought, you know, I I was hanging out with this producer and he would do it to everybody. He'd walk by like, hey, chump. And he would have this like casual. Oh, wink. Would he actually do like a Kramer sound like that? Oh, though? yeah. Yeah. And but, but people loved it. It was so. Giddy up. Yeah, he was just so on top of things and like just they, you know, had so much energy. So the one day I'm like, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna wink at somebody, I'm gonna show that I could be a producer around here too. And I did, and like the girl was like, Are, are you okay? Are you stroking out? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I thought your mouth was like drooping or something. I didn't know what was going on. I was like trying to be friendly and you know, give make your day, but that clearly didn't work. Yeah, try something new, bud. Well, let's uh, let's make people's day. I can make people's day by making a podcast. What would you call it? Hmm, taming the hustle, or something of the sorts. started but who's talking about their topic first oh um i think you should what's your topic (laughs) well uh retirement mistakes oh retirement so that's my mistake right there yeah you fucked up yeah yeah so let's just talk about retirement mistakes then well i didn't really know what else to call it but retirement mistakes but i think these are things that should be spoken of for people to be mindful as they're planning for retirement yeah i'm sure i i i could fit into some of these categories, I'm going to guess. You love what you do so much, you're never going to retire. Forget forget about it. Forget about it. The first thing is underestimating your lifestyle cost. So we do a ton of retirement plans. And when we're meeting with the client with our findings, let's say the client's been spending $8,000 a month. Yeah. And we concluded that they're spending $8,000 a month, but they're like, well, we, we had figured uh, 6,000 is pretty much all we spend. But then we look at the numbers and the numbers don't lie, right? It's you have a certain level of income and you have things that expenses that won't be there at retirement, which is your, you know, typically your CPP and EI deductions from payroll, the level of income tax you're paying, possibly some pension plan contributions, RSPs, TFSAs, getting rid of the mortgage, all of that stuff. So then the client has a mindset that they're only going to need 5000 or $6,000 a month because they're looking at their expenditures and yep. saying, okay, well, these are my bills. This is what my home expenses are, my yep. property taxes, my vehicles, and all of that, you know, sometimes groceries. So they're doing the simple math. Well, the thing is, then you work it backwards. It's like, okay, well, there's a difference. We we anticipated needing $6,000, but you're telling us we spend eight. But then you come to conclude that they go to Costa Rica twice a year. Yeah. Even going like, so a lot of our clients are in the northeastern part of Ontario. So let's say they're traveling south to Toronto. They do a weekend road trip. You're in a hotel for two, three nights in Toronto. You see a Jays game. 
What does it mean? What's a beer? What's a beer at, at a Jays game now? 12, 15 bucks. It's almost $20. 20 bucks. I know. I'm not a sports guy, so I don't I go, don't go very often. Uh, 20 bucks. But anyway, getting back to that. So you head south, you see a Jays game, two, three nights in a hotel, restaurant food. You make a trip to Lululemon. You end up, you know, you end up spending money somewhere. Yeah. You come back up and you stop at Bass Pro Shop and yeah. it just, it doesn't take long that that weekend costs you. 3,000 bucks, yep. right? So you do that two, three, four times in a year, uh, it starts to add up. So so the biggest, I wouldn't say mistake, but the biggest oversight is underestimating your actual lifestyle costs. What yep. does your lifestyle cost you? And that for a retirement plan is the key component is what we're trying to discover is what are you actually spending? What do you need to fund that retirement? And then what are your baskets of goods to be able to replace that? whether it's pensions, CPP, old age security, RSPs, TFSAs, inheritances, pension plans, whatever. Birthday checks from grandma. Yeah, exactly. So that's actually pretty cool because at the same time, like I know for myself, I've done this. I shouldn't say I've done it. I do it all the time where I'm looking at expenses. And it's funny, I'm, I'm completely the opposite with work and home. With work and my business, I'm so organized. We know where every dollar is going. And I know every dollar that went out, every dollar that comes in. But then with my home life, I'd let my wife take care of it now because I'm guilty of that where I say, you know, we have this abundance of uh, of cash flow. And then my wife's like, well, hold on a sec, but where not really. It going? Yeah. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's all going out anyways. And it's like, so you might think we have an abundance, but you forget exactly what you said. Remember when you went to the Jays game? Remember when we went out for dinner? And you're still raising your kids. You know, you've got kids sports. You've got this. You've got that. You've got yeah. braces. Can you imagine if I didn't have kids sports or braces? You could buy a condo in heaven. I could travel to Italy. I could buy Italy if I didn't have kids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay there. <laughs> that's how much you're, they're That's costing. why you have a financial planner. Because right. by the sounds of it, you have no fucking concept of money. <laughs> But I, you know, like I said, as long as my wife takes care of that, I take care of the business and everything rolls. It's, uh, it's, it's part of the partnership. Absolutely. Now, the other thing that is a bit of a myth that I want to clarify is that uh, there's also the risk that one of the spouses is going to predecease the other during retirement. And how does that affect you financially? Yeah. And the, and the immediate response is almost always, well, it's going to cost me half as much. Uh-huh. Right? But if you think of that, it's not even close to being true because let's say, you and Aaron, you're 65, you've just retired or you've been retired and Aaron passes away. More likely she's going to kill me before then. But yeah. So your, your household expenses will remain virtually the same because you're still going to have the same utilities because yeah. you're not going to turn the heat down. I mean, you may do a little bit of less laundry and use yeah. the dishwasher less often. She'll get rid of the sports package. Yeah. No, she's dead. Oh, she's dead. That's right. I'm going to get rid of the HGTV package. Sure you will. Your property taxes don't go down. You may get rid of one cell phone bill. You may get rid of a vehicle. Yeah. But we also have to be mindful that there's likely going to be a drop in income. So Aaron is the teacher with the pension. Yeah. You would then receive 66 and two thirds of her pension and you would not get her old age security of 620 bucks a month. And you're only going to get 66 and two thirds of her CPP to uh, a maximum, which is set at about uh, $1,275 right now. Huh. So the chances are that you're going to be receiving the max CPP. You're going to lose her old age security and only get 66 and two thirds of her teacher's pension. But I don't see your expenses dropping 
by a third. Gotcha. So what you're saying is, if my wife dies, I need to marry someone with money who has a job or something like that. Someone younger. <laughs> what I'm saying is you should die first. Okay. Because Aaron will continue to get the full pension. Uh, and yes. the only thing she's forfeiting is the $620 of old age security. And actually, I mean, uh, judging by your eating habits, you spend a lot more fucking money at the grocery store. So really, it makes way more sense that you die before Aaron financially. I'll, I'll let her know. She'll be happy about that. Yeah, we've already spoken. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, man. I got to delete your contact out of her phone. <laughs> and the last thing I wanted to chat on is a bit more emotional. Oh, geez. Is the emotional side of retirement is, I think, the mistake that some have made, and I've seen it myself with some of my clientele, is that when you retire without purpose, it could actually kill you, right? I've heard this, yes. Or it'll drive you fucking crazy. Yeah. Whether you're working for the man or you're an executive or you've ran your own business your whole life, you're either accustomed to going to work yeah. eight to five or you're putting in long hours as a business owner. If you quit that cold turkey and all of a sudden you have no sense of purpose. Yeah. So what I mean by having purpose is if you spent a lifetime contributing to an organization, whether you own it or whether you're one of the team members and you've got this camaraderie, yeah. you've got a collaboration of work. And you're all working towards a common goal and you feel as if when you come into work during the day that you contribute to that team or to that organization or to that purpose. Yeah. If you quit cold turkey, I mean, that could be devastating to one's self-worth, right? Oh, and I'm not sure. a psychologist, but I've seen it through observation. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I read a lot of books, mostly audible books, because I spend a lot of time on the road. Yeah. So I'm not going to say I'm a fast reader and I spend my days with my nose in a book. Yeah, it, it you really do have to retire to something. You know, so my my ex business partner who retired, he, he used to always say, "You can't retire from something; you have to retire to something." Yeah. and that really speaks volume. That does right. So either you start volunteering, or that you stay in the workplace to a certain degree. Yeah. So if you just want to be a consultant to the people that bought your business, for example or you're tired of working for the man, but you have a certain skill set, say you're uh, an engineer of some sort and you can start doing some consulting work or whatever, man. If you want to be a greeter at Walmart just because you need that social piece, yeah. who, who cares? Oh, exactly. It's kind of a, I call it the fast and furious syndrome. It's like, think of those guys in the fast and the furious who are driving their cars crazy ass fast every day for their entire lives. And then when they get older and they have kids or they get in their first car accident and they decide that's it, no more fast cars. If they were to go down to like a mini, it's like it, it barely moves, right? And it's like you're walking and they're like, oh, it's like they got to slowly, gradually make their way to that because if not, you are going to drive yourself off a cliff. Well, they're drivers. So just to recap, don't underestimate uh, your lifestyle and what it costs. Because that's usually the number one thing for us that we observe. The myth of uh, only needing half of the income if your spouse predeceases you is also uh, something that needs to be clarified because it could be very problematic. Like yeah. your example is perfect because if Aaron's got this monster pension that you guys are counting on mm -hmm. and she dies after year one of cancer, right? She sets to retire at 58 and at 59, she's gone. Yeah. Don't. You don't have to cry. She's I'm not crying. gone. You told me it's it was an emotional. It's an example. You told me this would be emotional. It's emotional. Fuck. Such a sissy. So anyway, you know, that has to be understood. 
And then I think the most important one is making sure that you retire with purpose. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm with you on that. Hey, we have a purpose right now and it's to pay the bills. Break time. If there's one piece of advice I can offer you is to ask about transfer fees before making investment decisions. Trust me, they can be crazy expensive. Always ask questions. Hashtag call Renee, certified financial planner of St. Cyr and Associates. What you got for me today, Willis? I want to talk about an important subject. Avoid killing. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, avoid killing your own content. That's a given. Sorry, I shouldn't, uh, I should have finished my sentence. That's um, not a, that's not a marketing strategy, Daryl. That goes for just about everybody. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about how to avoid killing your own content. What the fuck does that mean? So most people post on social media and they'll pay for ads and it's great. They think, you know, I'm hitting all the right targets and, you know, I have this so streamlined through the setup of the paid advertisement that they think that it's flawless. It has to work. And then they post it, they paid all this money and they don't see much of a return. And then when they come to, to, to agencies like us and they say, man, I've been doing some great content. It looks really flashy. It's beautiful. but it's not reaching anybody. Like people aren't responding to it. And we look at it and there's, there's basically kind of four things that really everyone kind of does. What are those four things? So the first one is what I just going to be upfront here. It's being a liar. Um, inaccurate, outdated, false statements on their thing. You know, it's like, if you're a fitness center and they show a, a picture of a bodybuilder and then they show a picture of somebody really obese and they're like, go from this to this in seven weeks. That doesn't work. Well, I've been trying it for 41 years and I haven't got there yet. I've been doing it six weeks at a time. <laughs> and so that's the thing. I'm like the false just, statements. Just, just getting a membership at the gym because, yep. because I think what you understood is getting a membership will get you fit, yeah. but you have to show up. Oh, see, and that kind of leads into part of the being a liar part is don't leave out things that are super important, right? They should have told me that, but the way I look at it and like, when I say don't lie, the other thing is if you're posting something like an article that relates to your business, you have to use good sources. You can't use uncle Joe from Facebook who says that this medication's going to make you sleep all night. It has to be reliable sources. The second it doesn't pass the smell test everyone's like, yeah, this company is shit. And Dis so dishonesty is a turnoff. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the other thing that is kind of a, a thing that can kill content is that having multiple voices. So yes, as a business, you want to show off your team and that's fine, but you need to pick a voice and develop a style and give consistency to your brand, right? If, if you have 20 employees, even if you have five employees and at the end of every one of your ads or something, you hear a different voice, it doesn't give consistency because Yes, to you, you might think, oh, that's my entire team. I want them to get out there. Hashtag call Renee. Exactly. That's what we do with you. You are the voice. We have put you there, right? And yes, we use your team from time to time in ads, but they are not the final voice you hear, that can, that brand consistency, right? Yep. Now, I'm going to move on here, but targeting the wrong audience. And that sounds, uh, it sounds like that would be simple to not do, but I'm going to give you an example. So I have a little side hustle. And it's a golf apparel company. And when we first started doing advertisements, one of my partners like, I, I, you know, I'll take that on. I love your t-shirts, by the way. Thanks. Um, it's the biggest part of my collection in my closet, for sure. There's more, <laughs> there, there are more of your golf t-shirts 
than anything else in my closet. They're just comfy. It's like, it's like a hug. But when we started doing advertisements, when you put in keywords for who you want to target. So we thought golf, right? Golf is a simple word. I click that. It's, it says like, you know, there's 40 million people who follow golf on Facebook and that's great. And the people liking our posts were guys who drove Volkswagen golfs. Oh, <laughs> and it was like, what the fuck? Why do I have? And like people are following us and it's like, they all have their, their golf Volkswagen. And I'm like, what the hell? And so then I started to look at it further into the details and I'm like, oh, we literally wrote golf. And yes, golf is a, one of the most popular sports, but at the same time, those cars are super popular too. And again, targeting the wrong audience, the analytics on the Volkswagen golf actually outweigh golf the sport. So we were literally targeting car drivers. With a golf t-shirt. With a golf t-shirt who didn't give a shit. You might be onto something. Yeah. So you got to be careful, right? And so keyword management is key. Choose your words. Choose your words. is key. Yeah. And it's, you don't want to waste time or money. And the last thing I'm going to touch on is not publishing content regularly. And this is a, this is a touchy one for me because I tell clients a lot that they need to publish more, but then I have other clients that I tell them you're publishing too much. So where's the fine line or is it different in different industries? It's different in different industries. And you have to kind of play at the beginning. And I've said this before and I'll say it again, is that when you are starting on social media as your company, you cannot, what you're doing for the first year is not your marketing. You are testing the markets. You're seeing what works and you're doing all that. So you need to take those analytics in that first year and figure out who your audience is. How often do they want to see your shit? Yeah, you. I think you preached this to me yesterday. I did, I did. And it's one of those things where too much will kill because if they see you too much, they're like, I, I don't care. And then they stop following you. So that's the thing. It's like, unless you have like those viral stupid videos, everyone wants to see those in their feed. They want to see a funny video when they're scrolling through. They do not want to be pushed with an ad by the same company over and over and over and over again. I do it myself. I'm like, I click the X and I say, I don't want to see ads like this anymore. Yeah. And you've positioned our marketing strategy very much the same because it's sort of in line with our values that we're not sales driven. So we're not in everyone's face to say, oh, we have a product to sell you, but we are there just enough for people to pay attention. Yep. And it's the humanizing factor. Exactly. It's us demonstrating what we aspire to achieve for our clients yep. rather than like you say, if if I had a life insurance product or an investment product thrown in my face every single day, it's a turnoff. Yeah. No. And I, I honestly, when I said avoid killing at the beginning, I know I was kind of joking, but seriously, I feel there should be some social media police out there. So the other thing, I know this wasn't one of my points, but I'm going to touch on it anyways, is that. Uh, Having too much text in your content. Yeah. So Facebook used to have this thing called the 20% rule, where if your text was 21% or over uh, of your content, they would make sure no one saw your ad. Now they've gotten rid of that, but the analytics don't lie. People who see that 21, 25, 30%, whatever it is, they don't want to read it. They just blow right by it. That's what I do. Yeah, exactly. I never stop to read that shit. No, I mean, if it's, if it's more than a short sentence, I just, I just skip over it. it. It's one of those things where you have to be, be careful and mindful. Be careful. Be careful. That's my uh, cheese joke of the day. And I, I like to tell clients, if you really need to get that much text on there to let people know, 
you need to make a video. Be a little flashy. Use your voice because people will watch. Videos are more popular than images. So if you need that much text, make a video. And if you want people to laugh, make it goofy. Exactly. Because goofy sells. We'll be right back. Mom said if I want to make a difference in the world, it starts with the little things. Yeah, like not bugging your brother. Or like investing responsibly. Always a one-upper, huh? Hashtag call Renee, responsible investment specialist of St. Cyr and Associates. So, hey, I mentioned something a few minutes ago that uh, about how I have a little side hustle. Yes, you did. Yeah, so I want to talk about a side hustle because I know many, many people who have full-time day jobs, but they also have a side hustle. And it's one of those things, is it worth it? Worth the time? And a lot of people ask me that. They're like, hey, I'm thinking about starting a business, but I have a full-time job. And and they'll say to me, they're like, yeah, it's a side hustle. And when you actually look at that, it's sometimes they're wrong. It's actually not a side hustle. It's something that they want to become a career. Right. Yeah. And, and there's a difference. Oh, definitely. And you see those people go on shows like Dragon's Den, where it's like they're trying to sell or get some funding, but it's strictly just a side hustle. And you can see through it. You're doing it for more of a passion, not to actually make an income. So there are pros and cons. I kind of want to get your take. What do you think of a side hustle if someone's doing it? Uh, I think it's going to depend on the individual and like you said, the passion for what they're doing, right? And what the reason for them doing it in the first place. If you have someone that's in a career that enjoys what they're doing, but they love to knit, Yep. Or they love to make quilts and they start making quilts as a hobby and they start a side hustle because they see that people would be interested in selling it and she's making them anyway. So it's just yep. a means for her to increase the revenue a little bit or maybe, you know, get a nice product out there. So that's super cool. So from a hobby and from a mental health perspective, maybe that's a good thing. So like a side hustle for me, because I, I'm very passionate about what I do and I spend a lot of time working at my career, my business and working with my team and clients. but. Like for me, an interesting side hustle would be to start fiddling again and start doing gigs because I love playing music. It's not that I'm trying to make it big and be the next Tragically Hip, but I would just like to go out and play music and I love to see people dance to our music. Like there's just something invigorating about people finding joy in the music that you're making. Rock star. Rock star. Yeah. Fiddling rock star. (laughs) If you're starting a side hustle for the purpose of driving revenue, I'm often sort of as an outsider saying like, fuck, the amount of time that you're spending, the amount of energy that you're allocating to this side hustle. Imagine if you focused on that in your business Mm -hmm. or you focused on that as a career professional. Yeah. You know, you would open doors, you would excel, you would probably move up the ladder, you would probably drive revenue and increase business uh, in your own company. So, so it really depends. I think there is no right or wrong answer, but I think you do have to look at it sort of on a case by case basis to say, why are you doing it? And what are your intentions? And what do you expect out of it? Right. From a monetary standpoint and from a, again, from a purpose standpoint. Yeah. So I want to, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute because I, I have always a devil. I know I am. I am. But when I, when I think of somebody who has a full-time job and they have the side hustle that they do want to make money at, and they eventually would love to leave that job and go somewhere and, and this become their full-time thing. I find it can bring a fresh perspective to your day job with something that you're doing in your side hustle, like 
trying to budget your side hustle, you're learning about how to budget a business, not just an individual. Even more so the creativity, right? That too. Because if you're creating a new product Mm -hmm. or a new service, that usually stimulates a lot of creativity and you could bring that into your you know, to your primary source of employment. Exactly. So that's where I kind of feel like, you know, for some people that could be a pro. Um, But then uh, you mentioned the mental health thing. And I know for me, my side hustle, it's, it is therapeutic. It's something that it replaces going out and spending money for me. Right. It's like, I can do it for an X amount of time at night or on the weekends. It has that same emotional effect of, ah, that's so awesome. And, but also uh, to flip that and become a con is that, if you're doing that and that's what it was supposed to be therapeutic, but you're actually becoming more stressed and there's stress added to the plate and keeps going and going and going, you're just going to end up burning out. So you're going to burn out from your side hustle. You're going to burn out from your regular job. And that's going to be a burnout. You're going to be a burnout. So you know what? It's like most side hustles, like I said, are passions. And people ask me every now and then they're like, so is there a good business to start a side hustle in? And I always think to myself, well, you're already asking the wrong question because it has to be something you're good at. Totally. Don't try to do something. And it's okay to make a couple extra hundred bucks a month because you want to. And, you know, I have a few clients who have side hustles and their extra money that they make from their side hustle goes to the retirement plan. And that's it. Simple as that. They, they just want to, hey, I want to live in France, so I'm going to make sure that happens. And that's cool, right? But like you said, you kind of got to weigh the the good with the bad and see what works for you. And we'll look at this, for example, right? So this podcast is our side hustle, yeah, right. But but it's tied into our to our businesses and exactly. it's tied into our marketing strategy because we wanted this to be an extension of what we do when speaking to our clients, yeah. And we wanted this to be part of our marketing for the people to understand you know, who we are and what we do and, and why we exist, right? It goes back to the Simon Sinek philosophy of having a purpose, know your why. So we're here to share our why, but it then becomes a podcast that is our side hustle. So it's all on how you look at it and what are your intentions? What are you doing it for? And what are your expectations? No, it's awesome. And I, like I said, I think you can make some money, you can have some fun, you can release some stress, but you have to see the warning signs and know when to cut your losses. Speaking of cutting losses, um, I'm going to go practice winking. All right. Because I want to get good at that. There's got to be tricks. I'm going to I'm gonna Google that shit. That's a Maybelline thing, man. Either you're born with it or maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> I don't think you're going to fucking get it. See you guys next time. 